Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. Take two. <laughs> yeah, because we had a little false start before. So we're here tonight. That voice you heard is one of my special guests tonight, uh, Trevor Sinclair. I'll come back to uh, introducing the full cast list in just a second. Um, I have to say that obviously the, the podcast is free for everybody to download uh, and subscribe and you know the, and all that business. Dead, dead easy. And if you want it on Spotify or iTunes, it's on there as well. And uh, I want to really give a, a big thank you to Charles Louis, who, the Charles Louis Group, who sponsor this podcast. They're an advisory business. They have, uh, advise on development finance, mortgage advice, estate agency. They started out life as a simple mortgage company offering buy-to-let, first-time buyer and moving home mortgages, mortgages. But now they provide support for the whole property transaction process, including an independent estate agent and an expert com uh, commercial financial team and a renowned mortgage team. Now, the lineup tonight um, is so stellar that I, I'm, I'm probably not going to say much, to be fair. I'm just going to sit back and listen to these three because, first of all, uh, our extra, extra, extra special guest is Trevor Sinclair, a former Manchester City player, but obviously a Manchester City fan as well, which uh, I think is crucial. Not essential, but crucial. And we've got two very well-known City fans with us as well. We've got Andrew Bucknall, who was on a couple of weeks ago, who's... Um, Always got loads of great opinions, and I'm sure he's <laughs> skipping as much as anybody tonight after the victory against Liverpool. And we have Harlan as well, who's been virtually my sidekick from when I started doing uh, vlogs. So uh, great <clears throat> to have such a, a really stellar cast tonight. Uh, obviously, City won against uh, Liverpool by four goals to one. <clears throat> Phil Foden got the man of the match. Ilkay Gundogan missed a penalty, but then... Went on to a tremendous second half performance anyway. Um, I did a column last week in one of the local newspapers in which I described City as being perfect. I didn't, I suggested even in that column that that doesn't mean they can't lose a, go a game every now and again. But as far as I'm concerned, the way they play football is perfect. And I thought we saw that tonight. So um, on the basis that I have the best cast list I could possibly have, I'm going to sit back and just listen tonight quite a lot of the time. So I'm going to invite Trevor as our special guest to start off and and just just tell us what you thought of that that performance in particular, Trevor. Yeah, I thought it was a really strong performance in the end. Um, I thought we started the game particularly well, controlled um, the tempo, controlled the ball a lot of the time. I think it was up to just above sixty odd percent uh, possession because I good habits, uh, you know, keep on checking that just to see to back up my initial thoughts when I'm watching the game. And it was just over 60%. And I just, we had a couple of situations and, and didn't take full advantage. Either the pass didn't go and we, we kind of recycled the ball again, or we didn't make the final pass with the quality that it needed. And then Liverpool started to get a decent um, pull on the game and started to create one or two chances. I thought the Mane chance was very good. And I thought we went in our, into our shell a little bit. Thought they'd probably get a bit of a dressing down at half time. Bit more bravery on the ball, getting into positions to receive the ball, a bit more committed in the final third. You know, as we've seen Raheem a couple of times, most wingers go into them situations. You keep on trying, you, you fail, you fail, but when it does come off, that's when you create goal scoring opportunities, win penalties, and so on and so forth. And I just thought we needed to be a little bit braver. I thought they'd get a bit of a dressing down at half time. I think that's what went on. Um, second half, I think the tweak that Pep made and, and turned us into a 4 4 2. 
I think it helped massively because we were struggling with the width laterally across across the pit to control possession and the shape. And um, again, Pep just showing his quality. How we made that formation change. Obviously, a couple of mistakes were in there from Allison, but again. I think that goes down to having more players further forward up the pitch, being able to press more effectively uh, and force them errors from Allison. And yeah, you know, all in all, it was a really strong performance and thoroughly deserved the win. And, you know, like everyone else, you know, very impressed with uh, Phil Foden. We know he can do it as City fans. There's still a few um, people that are not sure. If they're not sure, I'm sure they'll be sure after that performance. And goal, you know, big moments in big games again. He's got a goal threat. Uh, Gundogan, disappointing with the penalty. Uh, but again, another really strong performance, couple of goals. And Raheem scoring his 100th goal under Pep. You know, he joins quite a steamed company um, with the boy Messi and Aguero. And, you know, again, I, being honest, I think Raheem's probably been underperforming recently, whether that's tiredness or um, just the way we're playing, it's not suiting him. But I thought he, he struggled a little bit. But talking about big games... And coming out with his personality tonight, I thought he was outstanding. And, you know, getting his goal at the end, I thought he fully deserved that. And just a little shout out to Zinchenko. You know, he's he's been in, he's been out, he's been off, you know, put away. And he kept on believing. We've seen glimpses of his performances improving um, of recent times. And for him to play such a key part in, in, in a brilliant performance. And, you know, a w- first win away from home at Anfield since 2003. Um, I think he deserves a, a few plaudits as well. On the game itself, after the match, uh, Pep Guardiola suggested that um, he hadn't got the best, perhaps. I'm trying to be diplomatic in the way he phrased this. He didn't get the best out of Phil Foden in the first half, but when he pushed him into a slightly different position, which is what you've alluded to, uh, that he was much better. Um, Do you think Pep was right to say that? I mean, he is a perfectionist, isn't he? Absolutely. You know, he's a young player, still got a lot to learn. And I've said it many times, I don't know much about goalkeeping, but Edison, obviously, I, I really agree with the way he plays the game. But centre-forward, especially a nine in, in a 4-3-3, it's probably the most difficult position to learn as a, a professional footballer. You, you need to know when to stretch him, you need to know when to come to feet, when you need to keep secure it and win fouls, or maybe try a little bit of summit and, and with your first touch and manipulate the ball. It takes a long time to learn them skill sets in different scenarios. So you could be 2 0 up and yeah, you can go and enjoy yourself. You might be 0 0 in a really close game there. You've got to win the fouls, you've got to protect the ball. Um, and Phil does protect the ball in general, but he wasn't getting into positions both in possession and I feel especially out of possession when we were trying to suppress. And I think that's what Pep was alluding to. And I think he's right to do that. Listen, he's the master, um, he's an oracle of information and knowledge of football. And uh, Phil's developing really well under his guidance so yeah he's right to say that it was a great performance but it wasn't perfect there's still lots to learn and like he said in a couple of his comments after the game you know once this game's finished we'll celebrate of course we will but we're back on the training pitch tomorrow we're going to get ourselves our boots on the, on the grass and we're looking at the next game so I think that's an elite mentality that's a winner's mentality and you know it's no it's no surprise to I think City fans but and most fans in the world because of the amount of trophies that he's won over his career I'm going to hold back, Andrew. I'm just going to I'm going to unleash him in a second. So we'll go to Harlan. Um, come on, Harlan. What did you make of all that, mate? Just I think I, I was there last year, and I'd be fair to say it was one of the most painful journeys home I think I've I've ever had in my life. And, and now I've not been to too many away games in the last couple of years, but the the, the journey back felt like it went on forever. Um, I just wish that we could have been there today and and, and experienced that and experienced the journey home because. 
the journey home from a win for me is quite special as well because you're talking about the game, you're enjoying it, you're mulling it over for the next hours and then you get home and you still continue to enjoy it. So it was one of them that I wish I was at. But um, performance-wise, I thought Ilkay Gundogan's been fantastic, hasn't he? And I've backed him from the start. I was listening to the podcast we did. It's actually two years um, this month, actually, since we did the podcast with me, you, Louisa and Paul Prestige at, at the Holiday Inn. And we, we were talking about Gundogan being a future player. And I was listening to it last night just to see, because Louisa had tweeted me about it. And some of the stuff we say in that is coming to fruition now. And it just shows you that people that actually acknowledge and actually take the time to watch a player in depth and acknowledge what that player does off the ball, on the ball, the stuff that does, you know, doesn't always be, you know, get appreciated by, by the majority of fans. Um, you know, it, it, it's coming to fruition now. And, and it makes me quite proud to have, to have seen that in him two years ago and, and it coming to fruition now. But, to see, to see the way that Pep changed the second half, and especially when he took when he took Mares off, who I thought had a, had, had a really really good game um, by his own standards, occupying Robertson and a player that I think this game required someone that will hold on to the ball. He gets criticised a lot for holding on to the ball, being quite predictable on the left on the left foot. I think that was needed today to kind of calm things down make sure that next pass was perfect and that it was the right one. And he held the ball up really well and kept Robertson guessing, in a sense, at what he was going to do. Was he going to try and chop him or was he going to try and, like like Trev said, recycle the ball and create something extra? And he took him off Pep and brought Jesus on. And I don't think Jesus coming on was to necessarily get a goal. Well, it was, but it, it, it allowed him to distract them, them Liverpool centre-halves and allow Phil Foden that freedom then to drift and to create other things. And you saw that when Jesus came on, Foden was freed, then the goal started to come. Then the Phil Foden that Trev was saying we, we know and love started to flourish and started to really enjoy the ball more, started to create a lot more, and the goals came from it. And it, it was just one of them games that I just think that's us at our... Uh, it, I wouldn't even say it's us at our very best. It was us at our very best in that last half an hour. But just to see the different types of us and the different kinds of us where we can dig in the character after conceding, um, after missing the penalty, sorry. We'd, we'd have sank last season or the season before at that point and we'd have crumbled. The fact that when we conceded the equaliser, we kept going and we kept playing our own game. We didn't kind of sit back and protect the one-all draw. Well, you know, we didn't do that. And we, we showed that character then to go and, you know, go and hit them where it had hurt them. And I, I just... For me, we showed all three, four sides of us in one game there for me, and it makes me a dead proud City fan tonight. Right, I'm unleashing Andrew now. I mean, I know you're a very emotional City fan, Andrew. Very proud, <laughs> passionate. Love seeing what you, you put on social media. I know sometimes you're getting a bit a bit of trouble for various things, but we That's love true. you. So go on, tell us what your thoughts That's are. Great. How do you feel right now? I feel quite elated, but I also think it's great to listen to Trevor and Harlan speak constructively because I, I think sometimes I get too involved because if I look at what I say during the game, that's not always how I feel because I knew we were winning today. I said to people, I said, oh, we're going to lose it. You know, it's reverse psychology sometimes. I genuinely, it's not arrogance, but I see Manchester City, I said it last time, I'll say it every week, we're better than anybody else. And that doesn't mean you're going to win every game, but I do expect it to win every game. I don't think 
people were saying, oh, I'll take a point from Anfield. I was like, I'm not taking a point. When we looked, it looked so familiar, but even though we started off, what I thought, quite familiar with the usual, why haven't City turned up almost? People saying, you're being, you're being too critical. And sometimes I think I need to stay, I can't take away the emotion of how I feel during the game and how I feel about, it's not just 90 minutes for me, it's everything that goes before. It's the nonsense that Mr Klopp was saying all week. It's the nonsense that everybody says. I mean, but I, I just thought, the penalty I knew we'd miss. <laughs> it was just standard. <laughs> but I just, I thought we were superb. And like I say, if you look at my post, it will tell a different story. But I know there was no, there was no concerns. And I, I said we'd make a statement. We're going, I said this last time, I'll probably repeat myself a lot. But everywhere we go, we make statements. This weekend has been excellent for Manchester City Football Club. And I include our women in that because they've gone to Arsenal today and got a very good result when Chelsea and United have lost. You know, we're, we're, we're the big team, men and women. It's, it's one passion, one city for me. So respect to our women. But today, our, our boys at Anfield, there was only one team in it. We flattered them as per usual. I mean, obviously, it must have been a two or three weeks off we had that, you know, gave us the extra legs. It's, there's, there's no contest. And... I will put, pinpoint the media because, the, you know, I'm listening to Marty Tyler before saying that Alison's probably a bit cold and he's, he's not been very well. You know, you think, I remember Edison gifting Liverpool goals three years ago. I didn't hear that. Alison's supposed to be the best Brazilian keeper. He can't even play with his feet. Edison's miles better than him. I wouldn't swap any player in the world for what we have. And that's, that's a fact. There's not one player in the world that would better Manchester City. We've got them all. Some of them are not even playing at the moment. We've got the best players in the world. We've got the best team and the best manager. And to go there, and I, I, I knew we were going to win. Like I say, people are only just saying that now because we've won, but I will watch the game again and try and be less... I can't be less involved. I can never be less than what I am. And sometimes that, I might make myself look stupid, but I can't hide my passion. And I know how I feel. And like I say, it's not just 90 minutes of the game, we saw it. They're not that good. They're not that good. I mean, I was disappointed in Diaz's whole, you know, don't touch. You know, we must watch them play. And I won't make any allegations, but don't touch them because any opportunity will be taken. I mean, we saw Jesus get kicked in the head the other night, not a penalty. You see that tonight. I just think it's embarrassing. But I won't concentrate too much on them. We know what they're about. The media will... We'll defend them, to, to, they'll make excuses for them. You know, it's never look at City. I mean, I listened to Micah before in the studio and we've got, since we stopped having Trevor banging our drum like he used to, we've got somebody equal because it was always like, oh, Trevor Sinclair's on, he's going to bang the drum for City. Micah's doing it. All the others almost like toe the party line, like I say, because they're in a little club and we're on the outside, but we're, we're the best entertainers. That's why I see us, you know, always outnumbered, never outgunned, because we've got what they haven't got. And we'll always have that because we just stick our chest out. We just come and say, come at us. We'll take, you know, write us off at your pedal because that's it, that's what they do. That's what they have to do. And again, it's about the subscription, but we're not going anywhere. Look where we are. You know, we've had a fantastic week. Liverpool get a week off again. We've got the FA Cup on Wednesday night. We'll take Swansea as... Seriously, we take every club that we play. No midweek, you know, 
seas and trips abroad or whatever during out of the pandemic. We're Man City, we're here to play football, we're here to play games, we're here to win games. And that's what we do, we do it all the time. You know, I said I was going to shave on Liverpool next win. Look how long my beard is. <laughs> I've shaved for about two months. But um, that shows... I've got, I've got to say... Your analysis of, of Micah as a pundit's great. I mean, he's a, such a lovely fella, uh, Micah. I don't think, I can't imagine anybody not liking him, and he does tub thump. And you're also right, and I know he's in our company tonight, that Trevor, as far as I'm concerned, is one of the best pundits I've ever heard. No, don't, and no, don't. the fact you're on, you're still on talk sport, Trev, and um, yeah. whenever I hear you, you talk eminent common sense. Um, and, and an excellent pundit. And I'm not just saying Thank that because you. you're here. I truly believe that. Um, now, you will no doubt be talking about this and talking about the repercussions of it. So there's two questions I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you specifically, which are, is the title race over, which is what everybody will be asking? Um, and the other thing was, how did Klopp's comments... I mean, I, I watched Pep Guardiola's press conference on Friday in full um, as, as a member of the media, and obviously he... He wasn't rattled, I mean, he, but he, he made fun of, mm. um, you know, the comments that Klopp had made. You know, oh, no, I mean, didn't we have three months or four months? I mean, I'm yeah. sure people have seen that since then. So the two yeah. questions are, is the title race over? And did what Klopp said have any effect on what happened today? Right. Um, the title race is not over, obviously. And I think Pep's already alluded to that in his post-match interview when he said, we're in a good position, but we don't win uh, leagues in February. And I think... He knows that anyway, and obviously we know he, he wins trophies for fun. But I think it's almost a message to his team and his squad, you know, because there'll be a few excited players there. Naturally, we've just gone to Anfield for the first time since 2003. Beat them, give ourselves a 10-point gap with a game in hand. Um, I probably don't see Liverpool as uh, the biggest threat. Um, I would probably look towards Manchester United. I've seen Manchester United play a lot this season, and even though they do get criticised a lot, and, you know, they came unstuck a little bit yesterday against Everton, They've been consistent and they've won away from home. Um, but I don't think they've got the same calibre of players as Manchester City. I don't think, obviously, Oli's got the same kind of nous and knowledge and experience of getting over the line as Pep has. So I don't think they'll be able to get back at us. But the season's not won. And I think that was the message that Pep was trying to give to his players, especially the younger players and the players that haven't won the league before. Because there's a few there now uh, that haven't won the league with Manchester City. It's a little message to them. Listen, we'll celebrate. It's a fantastic win and performance but the season's not won in February. So I think Pep's philosophy and, and, he, and his mantra recently has been, we'll concentrate on the next game. And, and like um, the distinguished gentleman there just alluded to, it's against Swansea in the FA Cup and Swansea are flying, by the way. And it's a manager that's managed um, Phil Foden. I, I actually rate him as a manager. He's gone back to the DNA of Swansea and they're playing really well. And that'll be a really challenging game for us. So I'm looking forward to that game. And, and that's what Pep's concentrating on, the next game. He'll have to rotate. The sports scientists will be overworked and the, and the lads who look after regeneration and rehabilitation at the football club. But the facilities, again, you know, you're talking about one of the best facilities in the world with the pools and all the rest of it. So the boys will be um, looked after properly so they can regenerate the muscles, regenerate themselves mentally and be ready to go again, whatever team is selected. I was looking at the, the squad uh, and the bench today and it's not, it's not really strong. You know, uh, there's a few players that could have come on, but there's not loads of options. So what Pep's doing at the moment, people say we've got the best squad, but we have got world-class players out. And people say, oh yeah, but they've got the best squad. That's why they're going to win. Pep's absolutely doing brilliantly at the moment, the way that he's 
uh, resting players, the way that he's rotating players, and he seems to be getting it exactly right for the right games. So um, I think kudos to, to Pep. As we know, we, we believe in what he does and the way that he rotates the players and he, he develops players. Going on to the um, other question, I was disappointed because Klopp came out with, I thought it was poor, because I, I criticised Everton when they came out with their uh, comments initially about uh, Manchester City having to cancel that game so late because of COVID and so many people being affected by COVID at the football club. And then about... 12, 24 hours later, Carlo Ancelotti, who I regard as an absolute gentleman, um, won everything as a player. You know, we're talking about the health and safety of it, people. And uh, that's more important than trying to get one overall player in mind games. So with Klopp coming out with the, the comments that he came out with, I, I have to say, because, you know, I've, I have rated Klopp. I was disappointed because I thought he was, a, he was better than that. And I didn't think he would lower himself to making comments like that to try and get... Uh, a mind get to try and like start some mind games against Pep to get the better of him. Um, but it's a serious matter. It's about the health of people. So I was yeah probably doubly disappointed that he came out with that. And yeah, Pep's every right to be a bit disappointed. And Pep, you know, he's not sure when these um, people in the media are asking these questions about comments that Klopp's made. So rather than giving him uh, an inflammatory reply, what he said is he's going to speak to Klopp about that. You know, because he's not sure whether Klopp's actually said that or it's been interpreted a different way and then given over to Pep. So Pep wanted to speak to Klopp about that. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll sort it out. But yeah, I was really disappointed with, with them comments that I heard that Klopp made about Manchester City having two or three weeks off and like they kind of transpired to, to, to get that time off, to give the players a rest. And that's why they're flying now. I thought that was poor. And I should point out, by the way, that if you don't already follow Trevor on Twitter, you should do, because although he is um, clearly a professional and and explains things from a very objective point of view. There is the odd little tweet that he does with the odd little picture at Old Trafford, for example, after the third goal had gone in for Everton, which, you know, just subtly give away where his allegiances uh, lie. And and I must admit, I really like those tweets, Trevor, so keep them coming. Um, let's talk about Phil Foden. Um, and, and I'm sure that Harlan and, and Andrew will want to wax lyrical about this guy who is... I mean, that, that, that run that he did where he cut in from the flank for his goal um, and, and obviously the one where he cut in and beat a player to set up the other goal um, reminded me, and I, I don't want to get too carried away, but I, I, I mean, they talk about him as being in Yester, you know, the stop point in Yester. But I tell you what, that close control and the way he beats players has got a little oh, bit of messy good. about him, hasn't he? Hasn't he? I think, I was going to say Paul Gascoigne, to be honest, I think he's probably the best young English talent we've seen of a generation. And I said, I said three years ago that Phil Foden would win the World Cup, the proper World Cup for England. And I truly believe that he will be the benchmark. I mean, it makes me laugh. Every game he plays, didn't hear it today for, for some reason, but he's like played 100 games and they'll go, oh, yeah, but he's not starting enough. And I never hear that of someone like Mason Greenwood or other players who are supposed to be the next best thing. But Phil Foden, every time he plays, he gets asked why he's not playing. And Pep, how can they question Pep? You know, people in the media, they just, they, they haven't got a clue. They have got a clue. I think they can't be that purposely ignorant. I think they do it on purpose. I think they try and create a situation, even going back to the Klopp comments, not one person in the media said, hold on a minute, mate, you've got that wrong about City. I truly believe, maybe my conspiracy theory is that they were trying to get a rise out of Pep 
knowing that an angry pep is not a focused pep. So they probably said that knowing without challenging, because if I, if somebody said that to me and said, I'd say, hold on a minute. If Klopp made that statement, somebody there must know that we've not had two weeks off. You should have said, you're wrong there, mate. But not one person challenged him. So when Pep was asked and he, he, answered, with, he answered with a straight bat, it was class. It was absolute class. And I could almost feel their anger. And that's me just meeting us against the world because they're there to try and get a rise out of Pep because they know that City at the moment are on fire. And if Pep goes angry, you lose a bit of, you know, anyone or whatever level of football you play. If you lose your temper, you lose a bit of yourself. You know what I mean? You have to keep disciplined and you have to stick to, you know, stay focused. And we, we played that with a straight bat. And, you know, but Foden, again, going back to him, he's 20 years old. He's got the world at his feet, quite literally. And he's doing it. I mean, everyone was saying he's better off away from City. You know, people don't like City. They don't like City fans. Phil Foden plays for Manchester City and is a City fan. Do they seriously want the best for him? Or do they actually know how good he is and they want him at their club? They want to disrupt him and say, you're not playing enough, get into his head. But he's, he's, he's wise beyond his years. A bit like Ruben Diaz, 23 years old, Foden, 20. This is our next 10 years. We'll be talking about these players as we talked about David Silva, Vincent Company, Joe Art, Yaya Torre, Sergio Aguero. This is us for the next 10 years, I'll tell you that for nothing. And we'll be the ones who people are in a type. I actually think we're in a type of race with ourselves. That's not arrogance. You know, there's no team that can touch us. And we keep playing as we play with the hunger and the desire. And I'm not going to say the title race is over. In that 2018, in April, when we only needed, say, three points, I was saying, if we win the league, because I'm not arrogant, I'm confident, I'm confident about my club, but <clears throat> until it's mathematically impossible, then you, you carry on. But we, we, we've got what it takes. We're in the best position, and there's a lot of people hurting at the moment. And I love it because they all come at us every day of every week. I said it last time. And we're just there going, come on then, is this the best you've got? Is this the best you've got? You know, dropping our, you know, three shot at our chin. And we, we just, we never take account. We just keep coming back and win games. And what was about scoring is about winning. And I noticed the other night, you know, when somebody scored nine goals, I didn't hear the media saying, well, you need to stop scoring. It's disrespectful to the opposition. Or eight past Watford or six past Watford or seven past Norwich. It's like, oh, you need to stop scoring, City. It's not fair. What nonsense is that? Honestly, nonsense. nonsense. Just laugh at them. I just hold them in, I actually hold them in contempt, actual contempt. They might earn a lot more money than me and have a higher profile, but I've got nothing but contempt for them because they don't know football. They don't know my club, our club, we're better than anybody else. And we've got the tools, you know, success, you know, doesn't prepare for failure, but failure prepares you for success. We've got everything in place right across the board with our club. We'll, have, we'll lose some battles, we'll win every war, we'll always win the war because... Again, I explained last time because we're Manchester City and it means more than just saying we're Manchester City. You see, you saw it today, you saw it last week, you saw it the week before, the week before, the week before. Over and over again, you'll see what we're about. People just have to have faith. Look and say, I kind of moan a bit during games. That's my passion. I need to kind of step back a bit sometimes, but my posts don't always come across how I feel. It's just me almost exercising a bit of giddiness or something, but I have every faith in the city and that's not, if we lose, we lose, you know, but 
We're all frightened of saying it, even though we're all blues. Um, as far as I'm concerned, and this is obviously being recorded, so in theory, somebody could play it back and embarrass me. Uh, the, the league title race is over. Um, City uh, will now win this league title at a counter. Um, I, I certainly 100% believe that. I don't think Manchester United are in this title race at all. I think Liverpool now psychologically uh, are gone. And Leicester and West Ham, as I heard Martin Tyler suggesting, and, and I know that Trevor's <laughs> obviously got affection for West Ham as well. So, yeah, yeah, I'm being careful. But come on, West Ham aren't in this title race. City are going to win this now and they're going to cruise through it. So, obviously, all the attention goes on. Beating Tottenham in the League Cup final, progressing in the FA Cup, winning the Champions League. On the clock thing, you know, on the, on the statement, I have to hand out uh, a bouquet, really, uh, because... You could argue that it was Pep and his genius in the way that he answered that in the press conference. And I certainly don't want to take anything away from him because it may well have just been him. But I was watching that press conference and there was a delay of about 10 or 15 minutes, which is unusual for Pep, before it started. It usually starts half past one on the nose and it was about quarter to two before it started. And I, as that was happening, I thought, right, Simon Heggie, who's the head press officer, is obviously briefing Pep, telling him what Klopp said, and they've been discussing how he's going to answer it. Now, if that was Simon coaching Pep, and between them, I think they came up with a genius answer. The body language, the way it was delivered, the pause before he said it, the smile on his face, the hand gestures were absolute genius that I have to take my hat off to. It might not seem a lot, but me as a City fan and as a journalist, to watch that um, you know, unfold on Friday lunchtime filled me with so much joy, almost as much joy as watching City win 4-1 at Anfield. So come on, Harlan, um, I'll let you speak now. What, what did you want to say? <laughs> I, just, I just want to take us back to, to Elland Road, one all, right? So I'm on Twitter and there was, uh, and, I, and when I say a hell of a lot, I say a hell of a lot of City fans saying, that's it. Title race is over, three games in, and I absolutely, you asked Jess, I lost it here. I says, you know what, I don't want a, tri- a Twitter rant me, but I'm going to go with a bit of a rant here. And what I said to her is, I says, and I, and I, and I remember saying it, I said, I'm going to put some tweets out, and they're getting bookmarked, not booknold, bookmarked, right here, right now, because they're going to come out three, four, five, six, seven times this season. There's one guy that, that tweeted me back that day, and um, he said to me, are Liverpool really going to go on and lose back-to-back games this season? Are they going to go on and back, drop, drop back-to-back points? And I think four or five times now, I won't mention him because it's unfair. I've already said to him today, I'll leave you now. But um, literally, I said to him, look, um, that's point 13, 14 and 15 dropped. That's 16, 17 and 18 dropped. That's 19 and 20 dropped. So on and so forth. And when I look at, 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 what, what, at the fan base sometimes, how are we still, how are we, you know, there's pessimism and there's optimism. But, and, and I think Andy will agree with me here. Why are we, why are we still as pessimistic when we fought back in 2011-12, 13-14? You know, we did it in 18-19. We were, we were dead and buried according to a lot of commentators and a lot of media per- personalities back then. And we fought back. So really, and I, you know, you can say it's tongue in cheek, really after three games, one all draw at Ellen Road, a side who I actually think are a really good football inside under Bielsa and fully deserved a point in that game for what they added to that game. Yeah. Um, I think it was very reactionary. And looking at it now, 
we've, we've come a long way since that point. And that is because I genuinely believe that the style of football that Liverpool played was highly reliant on luck and it was highly reliant on other teams making mistakes and the fact that other teams were scared of maybe pressing Alexander-Arnold and Robertson, stopping the crosses coming into the box, where if you look, a lot of Liverpool's goals were coming from, not from direct passes or crosses, from ricochets or where the ball had ended up and then a mistake from a defender or something. And it's also the fact that I think Sir Oliver Watkins and um, and uh, and Lord, Lord Dean Smith uh, exposed Liverpool in that 7-2 win and inspired other teams to push them back and force them uh, to make mistakes. And what other teams have done since that point is they become inspired and they become like more knowledgeable as to how to, you know, and it's not about, it's not about in-depth knowledge, it's just about have a go, have a go. Don't be scared of them. You see Alexander Arnold and Robertson when they get threatened, they look weak defensively. Um, Mendy looked weak last year. Uh, Walker looked weak last year at times. Cancelo was being questioned. And that is because teams were going at them players and testing them players. And now it's happening to Liverpool and now it's happening to United's back line. Um, you, can see, you can see the same happening. I just want to say that surely now, <clears throat> after what we've done in the last seasons <clears throat> gone by and what we've done since that Leeds game where people were throwing the towel in, we've got to start appreciating where we are, who we are, who we've got and where we've come from. Because I looked at last year and thought, and I remember, I think it was Andy Jones, he said to me, and, and John Baker, it's gone now, Alan. And it was after a 2 old draw at St. James's and De Bruyne had scored that cracker and we'd Shelby had equalised and I was absolutely devastated. And I said, until it's mathematically done, and even when it's not mathematically done, I won't lose faith. And that for me is maybe the opposite of what Andrew said, but I'm just, sometimes I'm overly optimistic because for me, that motivates me mentally. If I, if I almost feel like I've given that, that, that doubt over, it doesn't, it doesn't help me as a fan continue that same kind of dedicated, do you know what I mean? I need to feel optimistic. And do you know what? The optimism this year has served me well because after that one-all draw, I believe we'd be in this point in February. And I said it to Jess, whether you believe me or not, it's up to you. I said we'd be here and I said that teams would start to expose them. And what I dreamt of is coming true. Just like I dreamt one day of us winning the Thomas Cook Trophy pre-season, which Trevor remember. And even though it didn't come true, I never dreamed of what we're experiencing now coming true because it was never a dream then. It was a pipe dream. This is a dream and it's coming true. Well, actually, this wasn't subject of what you've specifically said then, but you've touched on it, um, which I suppose is that something Andrew said as well about uh, the way that the media react to all this. Um, and obviously the end of the game became a little bit of an analysis. I don't mean the post-match interviews, but even the last few minutes of the game, the, it was all about what had gone wrong at Liverpool and why weren't Liverpool <laughs> doing this. And there wasn't really the credit being given. Now, I don't want to put you in a position, Trevor, where you're having to go at individuals particularly, but you work in the industry just like I've no. worked in the industry. Um, I think I understand why there is um, less attention given to City and more focus given to Liverpool and United. It's fairly obvious. It's about, particularly in commercial radio and on commercial television, it's about viewing figures. It's about, you know, that, that there are, whether we like it or not, bigger fan bases um, that, you know, that, that mm. subscribe to these channels. So they have to play to those fan bases. But do you ever get frustrated 
you know, in your position of being in the industry and knowing that City probably not going to completely get the credit that they deserve for what they're achieving? Well, no, because, I, I, listen, I concentrate on, on what I do and I try and keep my integrity. Um, I try and be honest about... Because, listen, I think we know if you're a funny guy, you know you're funny. I'm not particularly funny, so I have to go by facts and lean back on it. I think you're funny, Trevor. I think one of the reasons, <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons, Ian, why why you're uh, what, what, on top of what you said, there's an old boys club, at, you know, these broadcasters. So the old boys club are usually about 50 odd years old, 60 years old, who've got in powers of position. And basically, they supported Manchester United, Liverpool and all the rest of it. So the status quo in their eyes shouldn't change. So Manchester City, we shouldn't be involved in that, you know, that um, real elite group of teams. But we are. And it's a fact. And the, the sooner these people accept that fact, and I don't think Manchester City are going to going away by the way because you look at the, the infrastructure you look at the stadium you look at the you know the, the, the training facilities you look at the player recruitment you look at the manager recruitment you look at everything the club has got everything spot on and, you know we've spoken about it before what what they've done uh, in the area of uh, East Manchester there um, how they've built it up they've built schools they've built uh, supermarkets they've built apartments they have regenerated that area and you know not enough and I've mentioned this a few times not enough of credit is being given not just to Manchester City on the football pitch but Manchester City in the community and what they've done for Manchester you know so um, I wanted to put that one out there for, 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 for sure but going back to you know what I hear I think the best and the more, more refreshing um, pundits and people that are analysing football at the moment are the people that are not getting swayed by these big clubs and not taking allegiance with these you know the, the, the old um, status quo and, and, and are going with what they're seeing and facts and the fact of the matter is, you know, everyone was talking about Liverpool dominating for 10 years at the end of last season. They can't even defend their own title. You know, I mean, that, to, to, go, to talk about going over the top about a team who did a fantastic job last year, but saying that they're going to dominate. We've just won the league and then we've, won the, then we've backed it up with a double. I mean, people should be saying that about Manchester and looking very likely to go on to win it again. I think, you know, you look at teams in, in, in you know, the, the more recent... Um, history of our game and Manchester City are right up there and deserve to be there as well If you reluctantly maybe not even at all accept my premise that City have got the league title in the bag now can they win the Champions League this year or are there flaws I mean obviously as much as I say City's football is perfect no football's perfect is it? I'd love I'd love to think that Aguero's going to come back fresh you know, like he's, he's, he's had time off, obviously, for many different reasons, injuries, COVID, all the rest of it. He's going to come back fresh and firing because if he comes back fresh and firing, there's no doubt in my mind that Manchester City, with the defensive record they've got now, can win the Champions League. Now, even today in that game, I was watching the game today and even I think Liverpool scored the equaliser when we were kind of really starting to dominate the game. I wasn't even that bothered because I knew that the tactical change that Pep had made, Liverpool was struggling from there on in. And uh, they continue to do that. And, you know, the, the, the little nutmegs on Firmino by Cancelo, his feet were a joke. And then you've got Jesus coming off the bench and crowing it while he's looking over there. And there was a little bit of, these lot can't even challenge us. That, that, not in an arrogant way, because, you know, no one was like standing on the ball and doing all this, and, you know, messing about in a, in a bad natured way. But there was little skills coming out there where you just thought, this is, this is almost getting uncomfortable for Liverpool as defending champions. On your own patch, Manchester City going there, 
and then starting four one up and starting bringing out the tricks and that. They could not wait to hear the, the final whistle. You know that was as comprehensive a win you'll see um, by defending cha- received by defending champions. Um, and for me, you know, I look at I look at the whole performance and it was superb. So. Yeah, um, I, I feel it's, it's Manchester City to lose. And I, I do feel if, if, not necessarily they need Aguero back, but I think if they do get him back and he's firing, I think it's, you know, they've got to be favourites to win it. What do you think, Andrew? I think Champions League-wise, um, I did say at the end of the last season in August um, that we'd win it this year. I've seen City play in a different way. These 1-0 games... We've seen games that we may have, you know, conceded a late equaliser. I think that's the style that we would have to play in Europe because I think we've always played the same way and then suddenly we were accused of not having a plan B and it's like, well, just play two strengths. But we have more strengths now than we, I think, than we had before. Not just defensively. We were good defensively quite a while, you know, a couple of seasons ago. Last year, obviously, quite poor, missing Vinny. But we're playing games now that... And it might sound silly, but the games against Sheffield United and Burnley, the, you know, the games where, you know, Palace, for, you know, 1-0, you're thinking, these are games that we could could go against us. Like, like Harlan said about Leeds, Leeds were fantastic that day, you know, and they, yeah. that was a real good advert for football. That was a fantastic advert for football, sitting in Leeds, and obviously we didn't get the result. West Ham away, disappointing that we, you know, we drew, but those games that we were drawing then, we're winning now, and I think going into Europe, it's almost like we've got a lot of experience, but with less experience, with a less experienced team. I think Diaz is massively important to to what we do because um, I can't see, you know, we in the last couple of seasons we've conceded ridiculous amounts of goals in the last stages of Champions League, which I couldn't imagine happening now. You know, when you concede in three or four, you think, how's that happened in this stage of the Champions League? We, you know, from almost like a winning position sometimes on aggregate. So I think we, you know, the, the Liverpool thing is, I think it's meant a mental block that we couldn't just beat them no matter what happened. Even like 2018, Centurions, we had that, well, you didn't beat Liverpool, you didn't beat United. Season after, Vinyl fought a piece of silverware. Well, you've not won the Champions League. It's, like, it's a nonsense. And like Trevor said about, the old boys network and not giving City the respect. It makes them look even more stupid. I, I screenshotted two articles written by Wayne Rooney talking about Klopp last June when he was just about to win the league. And four years previous, you know, two, five years previous, Paul Parker talking about how Liverpool under Klopp will dominate for 10 years. They both said the same thing. And I'm thinking... Pep Guardiola came to England after Klopp and has won eight pieces of silverware. I don't care about Champions League as in what we're talking about now. How, like Trevor said, how can anybody not recognise the team that has been 100 points in one season, 98 in another, against a team that are working us every single day? Talking about mental mentality. The mentality to play when you know Liverpool have scored another last-minute winner. If we've got to go and do that, we've got, you know, what, two years ago, Liverpool could have gone 10 points ahead of us at the Etihad. What did we do? We beat them. Does anybody actually think that they will overturn what could have been a 10-point deficit? You know, I, I can't see it. You know, we're in a different position. We we got the bit between our teams then. We lost at Newcastle. Didn't lose again. 14 games on the bounce. 
how can nobody give us credit for doing that again? We're, we're on the way to doing that again. And Andy, Andy, they'll, they'll, they'll win games before the end of the season then. They'll pick up points. They'll pick up points in certain games in the pool. They're not going to stay on the points they're on now. We've been naive to think they are. We've been yeah. naive to think they're going to drive the game or lose a game. But they'll pick up points. But like you just said then, to do 14 on the bounce from now then. So you say that this is that game. Yeah, but the flip side, when we won 2-1 and Sane scored that goal and it was brilliant. I'll never forget the feeling I felt when that went in. But you look at that and you think, the demand to do what we did yeah, without Kevin De Bruyne as well. You know, I've had a mate of mine ribbing me saying, no, you're a team in decline. You wait till De Bruyne ends up injured. About three days later, De Bruyne got injured. And I think the character we've shown, and I said this to Ian on the podcast two weeks ago, when you lose a player like that, it's almost an invitation in a bad way, obviously, but an invitation for other players to go, do you know what? That's my job. I've got to do that now. I've got to somehow play my own game and fill the void that Kevin's left. And it's such a difficult thing to do. And there's no one filling Kevin's void, so to speak, but we're filling that position in a different way. And Pep's tactical nows and genius and the ability that the players have got have found a way over that kind of obstacle. And we found a way through it in the last couple of games. The other thing as well is when you look at what I mentioned earlier about today and how when that when that penalty went in, um, that game could have gone very differently had we have switched off. Uh, had Diaz yeah. have been rocked by that and by that mistake that he made, like you've seen Van Dijk be rocked before when he's made a mistake or like Alisson was evidently rocked by the first mistake he made today. It, it, we, we, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are as a footballer ability-wise. I mean, Trevor's, Trevor's an, an ex-pro, he'll, he'll know it. As good as you are as a professional... Um, it doesn't matter what ability you've got. Within a football match, I've only played amateur football, but when you make a mistake in a game, you've got to somehow be able to mentally block that out and carry on. And it, it, it doesn't matter how good you are as a player. Even Messi sometimes struggles to overcome obstacles in games. Um, the fact that Diaz didn't allow it to eat away at him, managed to stay focused. Let's not forget, he's up against three of the best forward players in the world. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of Mane, Salah and Firmino, but you look at it, he still had to be switched on against them today after that mistake he made, which I don't think was a huge mistake. I think Salah bought the penalty, but you look at it, and that, added to what Andy said, that character and that determination to spin a game back into our favour and go on and impose ourselves on it is what's going to be required in the Champions League. And I piggyback his point on the wins against Sheffield United and the other teams in the league, similar to that, that... That is what it takes to win the Champions League. It takes that grind. It takes that, you know, forgettability for a minute. It takes that dedication, determination, entire, you know, internal desire and will to win a game of football. And when you see it, it's a lottery. And I think we're in the lottery this year. I think we've put our quid on the lottery or two quid, whatever it is now. Well, you're right in giving individuals credit for that bounce-back ability after a mistake's been made. That comes from the top, doesn't it? I mean, I, I thought Friday's press conference that Pep gave was one of the... There were only a couple of little nuances in it, but things that I really took from it. And this no-excuse philosophy was absolutely central. It's what he's, he's all about. It's what his players are all about. So when a player made a mistake, instead of dwelling on it, and using that as an excuse or using something else as an excuse, that's that these players in this team at this moment don't have excuse. They never no. mentally have excuses, do they? Or use excuses. No, Gundogan, Gundogan didn't do it, did he? When he missed the penalty. You know, I remember when, when Mares missed the penalty against Liverpool the other year, 
you started to see his game kind of fall apart a bit and you could see it getting into his head and you could see it affecting what he was doing. You'd look at Gundogan today, he turned into a better player than he'd been in the opening passage of the game after he'd missed a penalty because he knew how influential he needed to be now. He, he had to beat himself and a bit extra to be able to make up for the missed penalty. So let me ask you this question. and All three of you can have a go at this one. Um, the elephant in the room is that this is a season behind closed doors. Um, do you think that if this season was being played in front of crowds, that it would make any difference to what's been happening? Because um, looking for excuses in front of 55,000 baying fans is more common, common, I should say, than when you're playing in, a, in an empty stadium. And I watched the game today, uh, obviously I'd have been there normally, but I watched the game with the crowd effects off. Uh, so, you know, yeah. and it really feels like it is. Uh, I'm looking that I'm, I've been to... I've been to one City game this season. That was the game at Cheltenham. I haven't been able to uh, to get into any others. And I'm going to Swansea on Wednesday because I'm work working for Sony Sports TV again in India. So I'll be down at Swansea. But those are the only two games I um, may well see all season in that environment. It is a very, very different environment. Yeah. Does the lack of a crowd make it easier for players to deal with moments of failure within a game? Yeah, I've been to a lot of games, obviously, working with TalkSport. And I was at the game uh, at Cheltenham. I seen you there, Ian. We had a little to catch up. And actually, I, I wanted to mention something about that game because I tweeted it. I tweeted something earlier about Phil Foden. And uh, that game, we were struggling a little bit. The pitch wasn't great. It was quite tight. Um, they had a fantastic uh, game plan at Cheltenham. They worked really hard. And we had a lot of squad players playing. Um, and we just couldn't get it going. You know, they, they defended really well. They worked hard as a team. But the shining light for me was Phil Foden. And he, he made amazing running that game. I don't know whether you've seen it on, t on, on, a, on, a, on a screen or on a feed. But he made amazing run um, where he took on three or four or five players and had a shot at the end of it, which, which he didn't score. But it was superb. But the personality and the character for him to go to a League Two club on an average pitch and, and, and have the desire and the pride to try and get Manchester City back into that game because they were losing 1-0. I said at the time, he's almost embarrassed some of the experienced teammates that he's got who were a little bit too passive. Uh, when we're talking about the press tonight and Mares doesn't do it strong enough, he's not committed enough to that press. He's almost like it's a token gesture sometimes when he goes. And that's why when Phil Foden went to the right and, and Jesus went up top and obviously Raheem, the commitment and the 100% belief that they can win the ball back was there. And that sends a message to the midfielders behind him this is going to be a dodgy pass. I might as well go in because I might nick it here. And all of a sudden, the team are up on the front foot trying to win the ball back. So it is slightly different. Whether um, he would have, Diaz would have been able to get over the mistake today, of course he would. I mean, he hardly made a mistake today. And even that, that mistake actually came from a little bit of complacency, which he'll be disappointed in. He won't yeah. be disappointed in giving the penalty away. He'll be disappointed in his mentality, which led to him thinking, I'm going to try, try and take this down when... Really, a defender and John's. We've seen John Stones adapt from these scenarios over the last few years. He just boot that out next time and not be just a little bit cocky, you know. And he'll admit that because it was it was one of them where he was under pressure from uh, Mo Salah. He could have gone first time out and just been safe and defend that next phase of play, but he tried to take it down because it's a little bit of overconfidence. It's not a bad thing. The big man up, to, up top, when you get a bit of overconfidence, he'll remind you. Stay humble. And that's literally what it was. The penalty went in. I think Diaz has got the personality to get over that. He's young enough. He, you know, he would have got over that even if a crowd was there. But it is more difficult. So, 
as the final subject, um, actually, I might just chuck one other little thing in, just a little talking point, uh, because the, the discussion of an expanded Champions League has been on the table again a little bit this week. Um, this only needs to be a short answer, probably, from, from each of you. But, um, you know, this sort of structure that's been put forward of um, more teams in it and you play 10 games before Christmas and it, it, you don't play everybody within that league, uh, you, but you, you play the better teams in that league or the ones that are more suited to your ability. It all sounds a bit weird to me and I can't say I'm particularly enthusiastic about it. Um, I don't know how much you've read of that, um, I, what, what, just each of you, let's start with Andrew. Is that something that excites you or that you're behind or is that something you have the reservations I've got about it? Absolutely not. Um, until the Champions League is for Champions only in the knockout competition, which it never will be again, it's the least interesting tournament that we play, competition that we play in. And Pep said that. He said, he said it when he was asked about it a while ago. He said, and he tried to kill the smaller clubs um, by playing more games at an elite level, obviously, I think, again, financially. it's it, it, To me, it's a double-edged sword where they probably know how good we are. We're not going out of the way, so they need to make extra space for the team. The clubs that are historically Champions League clubs, so it's like, you know, all this... Um, <laughs> using... Oh, God, I can't think of the word. But, um, yeah, to just try to get clubs in who've got more prestige in the Champions League. So, basically, know that, you know... We're the only club that has been, in, you know, I know we haven't won it, it doesn't interest me at the moment, but for last, since we first went into it 10 years ago, we're the only ones of all these massive clubs in England who are consistently in it. You know, that's not an, it is an achievement for a small club like Manchester City, but Liverpool <coughs> haven't been in it every season. United haven't been in it every season. Arsenal aren't in it every season. Tottenham aren't in it every season. Chelsea aren't in it every season. But it's just like, well, we need to keep them in it. We need to keep them interested. We need to keep subscriptions because it is that global fan base. I touched on this last time and Ian said it before. Because they've got a bigger fan base, they need to keep them interested. It's all about subscriptions. And so to try and change it because they know we're getting closer to winning it. So they're probably trying to make it more difficult. You know, League Cup in April. You know, they won't. I, I wrote something, posted something from five years ago. I think it was Leicester on the 6th of February. They wouldn't move the game to help City in the Champions League, but they'll end up backwards for others. It's, it's just, it's all about a cash cow. Mm. We should look after the lower league club because we're in a pandemic now. Money's tight everywhere. The big, massive clubs will always be all right with their fan bases. Let's look after the lower league clubs, the, the lesser clubs supposedly in the Premier League, in Championship, in League, two, in League One. Just let's look out for them. You know, maybe do something with domestic competitions and just tell UEFA... Just give it a rest. Let the players rest. We're playing. Do we're well. playing every week, and you know what I mean. It's just like Klopp doesn't seem to understand that we play every couple of games, every couple of days. That's what we do. Sit you on every TV every week. Everyone must watch us. I know they do because always hating us. <laughs> we're there. You go through City's fixtures: BT Sports, uh, Sky Sports. And it's everywhere. We're on all the time. People talk about us. And they're always saying about Phil Foden not playing, but every time he plays, he says it, so we must be on telly to play, to be seen, because we're not going to get a link to what City are. This It's just, it's as it is, but just sack the Champions League, you know, just make it for champions, because I know clubs who go on about winning it when they weren't even champions, so that's yeah, I, I asterisk next to I, it. As as I I'm on see. that. Champions, we'll win the Champions League when we're champions. 
I'm on that. Um, you know, you know my thoughts on the Champions League. Ian, I said win it once, and then if we never win it again, I won't be bothered. Um, it, it's a box ticking exercise for me. The Champions League. I grew up watching the Champions League as a kid. I remember sitting up actually, and I will mention it. Um, I remember sitting up, and I remember watching that three-all draw, and Liverpool won on penalties. And I was a young kid, 2005, 11 years old. I wanted them to win it. Um, times have changed now because this rivalry has been been formed. It's been built. That all started properly that night when the bus attack happened. Um, and it's got quite ugly and evil now. And I don't think it, the bond between the clubs, if there ever was a bond, will ever be there again. Um, but the Champions League for me is a box ticking exercise. If it was, like Andrew said, yes, it'd be a much better competition. Um, if it was a league format where it was, say, you know, so many games in a season that you play in, in midweek and you have to win it in the same way as the Premier League where you win it by playing everyone once, say, for example, and you can really find out who the champion of that season of the Champions League is or whatever, then, yes, I think as it, in its current form, it's a lottery. Um, you know, you can win and lose games on, a, on, the, on the flip of a coin. Um, that is cup football at the end of the day. But for me, I think you'd be a proper champion of Europe if you won it in a league format. And I think that would be a, a better way of doing it. But that's probably never going to happen because that would stop teams from, from winning it the way they do now. Um, just before you said, Ian, didn't you, about behind closed doors, it maybe it has affected certain teams and maybe when teams have gone two and three goals behind, uh, it's been a lot more difficult for them to get the ascendancy back in a game because they've not had that, that will from the fans. Um, but we play an empty ground every week, so I don't think anything's changed for us, has it? Um, and not only that part, uh, not only that, Andy, you mentioned how we've not got prestige. We've got as much prestige as we need with our Paul. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> so given that I saw Trevor nodding along to what Andrew was saying, I'm going to leave the last question now on, a, on the other subject, which is this week's midweek FA Cup game. Um, we saw the team that Pep put out at Cheltenham, which won in the end. Um, and by, of course, two clear goals. But it came from behind. Swansea seemed to me to be a much stronger team and a bigger danger of knocking City out. Now, before the Liverpool game, with Tottenham the other side of it, um, I sort of semi-expected City to put out a so-called, and I'll do that in air quotes, weaker team um, at Swansea. But I'm wondering now, after such an emphatic victory at Liverpool and given the gap that's been opened as to whether Pep might be, and again, maybe this is the wrong word, I'll use it, but I think it's the wrong word, whether he'll be braver in his team selection and go for a really, you know, first 11 sort of thing to try to get through against Swansea and get into the quarterfinals. So, Trevor, what would you do if you were Pep or what do you think Pep will do now at Swansea? Well, well I think there'll be, yeah, I think there'll be key key changes. I think Fernandinho, I think Laporte, players like that, Stefan, there's no reason not to bring them players in because they're on a level anyway. I mean, I've been so impressed with Stefan and his performances. I said it on air a few weeks ago. He almost looks cooler than Edison with the ball at his feet, which is crazy to even think about. Technically, he's outstanding. Um, so, yeah, I think there will be a few changes, but I'd like, like you, I think it's much more of a risk of uh, having a tougher game. And I'd like to see a lot of the stronger players play, try and win the game in 60 minutes and then wrap them up in cotton wool and rest them up. So, yeah, I'd like to see that. Just going back to the Champions League one, I actually thought the Champions League last season, how they got everyone to go to a sitter and play the last few games in a knockout one game. I thought that worked perfectly. I thought it was, yeah, it was good. Yeah, like it's not as much money. It's not as much money for them because they're not getting two fixtures home and away. Um, so from a sponsorship and um, financial point of view, it'll be more difficult for them to 
get the same money or get more money because there's less fixtures. But from a fan's point of view, I thought it worked way better. It was exciting. It was a one-match knockout, um, get through to the next round and then obviously the final. All done in a short space of time. I thought they organised and adapted really well. And I'd love to see that be the norm in future. Never mind more games. Well, um, let, let's let's stop it there. A, a big, big thank you to to CharlesLewis.co.uk, of course, the sponsor of the podcast, mortgage advisors, uh, moving advisors. Look them up, CharlesLewis.co.uk, phone number, local company, and they will help you if you're you or your family or your business are thinking of moving or selling anything like that. And without them, there probably wouldn't be a podcast. A uh, huge shout out, though, to my guest tonight, Andrew Bucknall, who's always box office, as he would say himself. Um, we will also cut Harlan, who uh, is obviously uh, Harlan. I don't know how else to describe you, really, Harlan. You're just you. Legends, and the, the fantastic Trevor Sinclair as well, who's given up uh, an hour of his time tonight to talk to us, which I really, really appreciate. Um, to all Blues, enjoy the victory Cheers against you. Liverpool. Cheers, enjoy the fantastic football we're playing at the moment. And, uh, and now, yeah, and, and a nice glass of red there from Trevor as well. Um, one thing that I can absolute guarantee as we go into the new week that you'll be saying to everybody you meet, it's great being a blue. <laughs>